Now tell me if you remember No telling if you remember I'll never forget I'll never forget Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast. I am happy to have my guests with me, a baby. No, see, I do not. <laughs> My audience knows I try, I try, I'm trying, and I'm going to get this right. A Dana Brihani. Yes. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, pronouns are she, her. Welcome, A Babra. A Baba. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Could you introduce your, uh, my, yourself to the audience? And the reason I do this, and, and let me stop, because I don't want people to think I'm making fun of people's names. The reason I do this is because my brain, how my brain functions with names, it just, it goes a haywire. But I also want to model for people in an inclusive environment that we mess up and it's okay to mess up. Um, and you just make them, you know, apologize and you keep moving forward. So with that said, uh, uh, Beba, would you please introduce yes. yourself to the yes? I said, <laughs> would you please introduce yourself to the audience? Uh, I will. Uh, thank you. Thanks so much, Kim, for for uh, inviting me. Uh, yeah. So uh, I am a final year uh, PhD student uh, at the um, at University College Dublin in Ireland. Um, I, I come from Ethiopia. I, um, yeah, I grew up there. Uh, I'm, I'm here to study. Uh, and my um, subject is, so technically, uh, I am a cognitive, um, cognitive science PhD candidate. Uh, and my background is in, uh, in, in an area of cognitive science called embodied cognitive science. But as my PhD progresses, I am kind of um, almost leaving the cognitive side of things, and I'm more into uh, the AI ethics at the at the AI ethics end of uh, cognitive science. Uh, so my work is my work sits at the intersection of, as I said, embodied cognitive science, uh, general systems thinking. Uh, and uh, machine learning, and most importantly, um, I lean a lot on uh, Black feminist epistemologists, Black women's work to approach ethics, to think about, you know, what's fairness, what's justice, uh, what would machine ethics, AI ethics look like, uh, one that is informed by Black women's scholarship. So I try to bring so many elements in, into one, trying to kind of narrate one, one story uh, through my thesis. Great. So we start this show the same way every time. We ask, I ask my guests two questions. Why is it important to cause a scene and how are you causing a scene? Uh, <laughs> I, I try not to think of myself as not causing a scene because as it is, I... I um uh, I try so hard to 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 just like uh, keep my head down and and complete the PhD and just you know just have it done. But of course, you know, being a black woman in a predominantly uh, white academic environment, you cannot help but get frustrated constantly. So with, without my will or with or without my will, I end up causing a scene because I cannot help say nothing. So I, I end up saying things and uh, I do cause a scene every now and then. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> even though it, it, I, I do try to constrain myself, but sometimes it's just like you cannot hold it, you know, mm -hmm. inside. you have to say something. Mm -hmm. So at, uh, so. I guess how I'm causing a scene is, uh, again, when I see, uh, you know, bad scholarship or a really naive or, 
you know, uninformed perspective uh, into um, the ethics of machine learning, uh, one that fails to recognize, uh, you know, uh, one that fails to, to recognize that when machine learning systems uh, go wrong or when is a downside, downstream negative effect uh, from machine learning systems that are deployed into, into the world, uh, you know, communities and individuals that are most impacted are usually, you know, vulnerable communities, people at the margins, uh, black women, uh, but often that is not recognized. And when I see scholarship that completely erases that or that fails to recognize that, I say things, uh, I guess that causes a scene uh, yeah, also you you I kind of see the, the usual general um scholarship that has absolute blind faith in technology um and and where in which technology is portrayed as you know um a kind of a, a savior or a magic that will uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that will save, say, you know, you know, Africa. So one of my articles on on um, on the algorithmic colonization of Africa that came about from a frustration of uh, people naively thinking that here we have state of the art, you know, machine learning model. Let's, you know all bring it over to Africa and solve, uh, you know, poverty or starvation and diseases. Uh, so that article actually came from, uh, started as me causing a scene at a conference and, and then it became a blog post and then uh, it, it became a peer-reviewed paper. Uh, yes, yeah, so when I see lack of critical reflection or when I see failure to acknowledge that when harms are caused by technology, uh, and and the the you know the communities that are most impacted are those at the margin. When I see failure to acknowledge that, uh, I do say things, and uh, I, I cause a scene that way. I think. Okay, so let me just, you said so much, but I just want to say this. I'm looking at your face, and no one can see this, and I'm just, I'm, I love to see the beauty in your face. It, it is, and it reminds me of something I often say that black women are the moral compass of this country. But I also, but then I say, that's when I'm speaking specifically, specifically about the US. But black women are the moral compass of this globe, period. Period. And even, and, uh, and you're not alone. I had no intention of, of, of causing a scene. I entered tech. I was just going to, you know, do a job and keep moving. And it's like, I look up and I'm like, I did not ask to be in the civil rights movement. What the hell is going on? I didn't sign up for this. But since everybody else wants to act like it does not exist. Yes. And the outcomes actually impact people who look like me. It is, I can't morally sit around and say nothing. Exactly. People act like we, we signed up for this. Like, this is like, this is fun. Like this is no, it, we, we are, <laughs> black women are going up, trying to go about our lives, minding our own damn business. And we just can't. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking, you know, I, I, uh, I, I also get a lot of pushback for my work. And recently, one of the, the pushback was that it was a criticism. I suppose they meant it as a criticism is that my work is reactionary. And I was thinking like, maybe if there isn't so much bullshit, I wouldn't be forced to react. <laughs> to react, exactly. And, and, that's, and that's the narrative always. Whiteness gets always to be the hero, victim, and never the villain. And so it, anybody who challenges it, we're the bad guys. So before you get, I've never had a co embedded, I mean, embodied cognitive scientist. I don't even know what the hell that is. So if you could just explain what that is first, and then we'll get into some other things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, sure. Um, I have a, a short article uh, that was published uh, in 2017 that, that really kind of encapsulates, uh, you know, the, the, idea of embodied, the idea of embodied cognitive science. So I can give you a link if you want to. Yes, please. And we'll add that to your, we'll add that to your yeah. episode. Uh, so the idea behind um, 
embodied cognition is so traditionally or the canonical way of thinking about uh, cognitive is um, you know you you want to understand you know how your uh, cognitive faculties your cognitive abilities say for example how your memory functions uh, the the normal the traditional way people would go about it is you know um, take the person you know take them out of their living environment put them in a lab maybe i will give you a list of words or numbers or whatever to to memorize and you would regurgitate and uh, maybe then i would ask you to recall so that kind of tradition is very common and uh, i mean from the outside it's i mean you know, it's, it, it has helped us understand a lot about the nature of cognition, the nature of human being. But when you scratch under, uh, it's, it rests on so many uh, misconceptions and faulty assumptions. So one of them is the assumption that, you know, you can isolate the person from their environment, from their physical environment, but also from those, their social environment, and you can understand cognition as something you know that can neatly be separated. So, uh, if you follow that line of thinking, cognition ends, you know, at at the skull, and uh, the brain ends at the skull, and the self ends at the skin. But embodied cognition pushes against all that it's it's a relatively new field that emerged over the last 20 30 years maybe 40 years now uh, it's uh, the idea is that you know it's all much more blurry than you think you know cognition does not end at the skin and the idea of the person does not you know the person doesn't end at the skin and cognition doesn't end at the at the skull if you the famous example is the extended mind thesis that came out in 1998 uh, and in, in that paper, um, Clark and Chalmers argue that they they argue that, you know, an iPhone, for example, is an extension of your mind because, you know, it helps you uh, keep track of your meetings. You know, it, you can take notes on it, whatever. So anything you can uh, aid yourself in, in improving or in adding your cognitive capabilities is part of your cognition. Mm. But instead of thinking, of cognition as something that's just located in your brain. So then if you want to then understand, so that's just one tiny uh, you know, element of the embodied cognitive science movement. But my, my background or my embodied cognitive goes even further. Uh, and in that article that I will link you, the claim I make is that you know, the person is never isolated. No person is an island. We are inherently interlinked. Mm -hmm. We exist in a web of relations. So if you want to understand my cognitive abilities or who I am, you have to inherently understand me as something located. We embodied. Yeah, as something that's historical, as something that is impacted by by you know the, the the norm the culture my background yes. and, and the social infrastructure oh, yeah, lived is, experience yes lived yes. experience so, yes so you, oh my god so you're speaking because i'm oh i'm i'm hitting hard often so cognitive so maybe this is a simplify from what i understand of what you just said and and i want to because i want to draw parallels to some things i talk about is that in tech and it goes to where a lot of the things that you're saying about uh, machine learning and, 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 and all these faults, we rely so heavily on quantitative data, which is a moment in time. And we refuse to deal with qualitative data, which is what you're talking about. So my cognition is situated in my lived experience, is situated in what's happening to me right now, because you can give me that same list. And I have had, if I've had a great meal, I've slept well, um, all of these things, I would perform differently than if I just had an argument with somebody, I haven't eaten, I'm homeless. All those things matter to how we, and this is why intelligence, these tests are bullshit because yes. they- <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so it's all, it all links to, I mean, it's really difficult to kind of, you know, say, you know, this is 
embodied cognition and embodied cognitive science thinking and this is you know the other thinking which is often called you know cartesian thinking or individualist thinking uh, so it, you, you can't really get, make a clear cut but if you look at the overall trend what you find is all this obsession with you know measurement yes. and trying to capture intelligence and trying to kind of datafy or quantify things all goes back to this Cartesian individualist thinking with the assumption, with the background that, you know, any higher level thinking such as, you know, a pure form of logic or abstraction or analyzing things are superior to, uh, you know, understanding something compared to you know, context or, or background yes. or things <sighs> that are <laughs> Yes. So, yeah. So, so the whole idea of, you know, behind all this uh, embodied cognitive movement is, you know, things are much more ambiguous, sometimes un unquantifiable. And that is, and, that and is the problem with tech because we want to be binary. And I'm like, no, we have to live in the gray. We have to yes. live in the gray. Everything yes. is nuanced. There is no binary. There's no neutral. There's no apolitical. There is messy. Humans are messy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you can either live under the illusion that, you know, you can be objective. You can neatly quantify things. Uh, so you can adhere to that that illusion of objectivity, or you can come to terms with the fact that reality is me messy. People are uh, inherently indeterminable, unpredictable, and work with that. Everyone in the hashtag call the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral nor is it apolitical. Two. Intention without strategy is chaos. Three, lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag causeascene.com. So that doesn't work in tech because how do you code that? See, that's the, you know, it is like when whiteness is the default and I come to them and say what you just said, how do you, they don't have a, they don't have a, they don't have a code base for that. They don't have an algorithm for that. Um, yeah. it, it's so, it's so easy in tech for us to try to extrapolate out or automate as the human as quickly as possible. And it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me, how did you make the jump from, because um, you said, okay, I wrote cognitive, embodied cognitive science, generalized systems thinking, and AI ethics. How did that, I love, I love this thing that you're, you're, you're bringing together. And, yeah. And, and yeah. How did that triangle, triangle come together? So, I mean, embodied coxi has been my background uh, and, and it, it remains also central, uh, but uh, general systems thinking also, uh, I mean, I, you know, it's very broad general systems thinking. Most of it, uh, you know, within mathematics and physics. So, um, because I, I, I um, my background, my my research is in um, or, or, I'm not organization, learning organizations, which is systems thinking. So yes. that's a, yeah. So I'm yes. just like I'm I'm just yeah. okay. But let me stop right here because people don't understand how big a smile I have on my face <laughs> listening to you because this is like it is this is my jam. I'm just loving this conversation. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean. There are, philosophically speaking, uh, embodied cogsci and systems thinking share so much commonality, yes. so much metaphysical assumptions. So they are really very close, cl closely knit together. And because in my thesis, at least in, in the first chapter, uh, what I'm trying to do, what I've been trying to do is to kind of lay out the foundations of how uh, people and, and social systems as complex adaptive systems are inherently unpredictable, yep. inherently indeterminable because of the nature of, you know, the, 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 because of the nature of the phenomena. So 
that's why I go beyond embodied cocci and, and, and lean into systems thinking because there's so much solid groundwork done in clearly uh, kind of, you know, identifying and clearly laying out here is why you cannot predict with precision how people will behave, how people will act, you know, how, how people we get so frustrated with me when I, when they want to, um, when they think they want to hire me and uh, to come in and they want these snap answers. I was like, I can't give you, I can't, there is no <laughs> formula for this. I'm like, yes. it depends on, I need to, I need to interview. I need to go in. I need to look at so much stuff before I can even come up with an opinion because it's not a silo. It's a system. Yes. Any decision we make in one area is going to impact the other areas. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. See, everything is connected and, and, and we do exist, as I said earlier, in a way of relations so if you want to understand something you really have to understand try to understand it in its in it in its web in its relation rather than just taking yeah, it out taking it out until you put it in a sterile laboratory because you're not going <laughs> to get the real um the real you're not going to see that when when john passes by mary tenses up and you're like why is mary tensing up every time john passes by <laughs> you know which leads yeah. to another question what's going on between john and mary <laughs> yes yeah so so yeah anyway uh b- because the the kind of uh the the, the general argument uh, i'm i'm uh, the general point i'm trying to make in my thesis is that you know uh, people in, in social systems as complex adaptive systems are unpredictable, and, and here is here is how and why. Uh, and, and then I move on to to looking at uh, canonical machine learning systems. Uh, and and again, the idea is there is to look to say, look, machine learning systems, especially deployed within the social sphere, are inherently trying, you know their central objective is making predictions. So when they are making predictions, especially like for for making predictions of who is a good hire, who should go to jail, who should be out on bail, uh, who is deservant of a a social welfare, uh, who should get what kind of grades. They had algorithms over in the UK in in the summer. Uh, You know, when within these uh, social spheres, when you try, when you create algorithmic systems to 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 predict social outcomes, are you not only uh, you know uh, making a scientifically dubious claim because that's impossible, but also you are doing something that's ethically uh, you know ethically a red flag that yeah. harms people, mm-hmm. that harms minoritized communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with, with that background, then like the, the third team, the final area of my thesis, you can't only, you know, talk about problems as you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you also have to uh, propose solutions. That's the, the nature of academia, I guess. So uh, in, in, the, in the last part, I focus mainly on, uh, on not solutions per se, but um, you know, ways forward, ways of thinking about how we can avoid harming minoritized communities, how we can avoid machine learning system, how we can avoid deploying machine learning systems that make, uh, you know, fallacious, scientifically fallacious and ethically problematic uh, predictions, especially when it comes to predicting social outcomes. And that's when I bring in a a lot of the, the scholarship from uh, black women scholars because they really have mm-hmm. nailed, you know, uh, we've been not, there. Not only <laughs> we, we, and that's yeah. what I tell people. I said our liber- the collective liberation is through black women. Yes. 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 And people it's, think I'm saying it because I'm a black woman and that is partly because I, but it's because I know I, the things that I am able to think about the things that I'm able to do if it were a white dude, I would be so much further. I would have so much more impact. Um, I would be believed. Um, we, we wouldn't have these convert, you know, it'll be so different, but because black women are in the positions that they are, that they come with this knowledge, that they come with this ability and yet no one listens. We have to, we work even harder. (laughs) Yes. And there's, there's this level of, 
like as we were saying before, you can put up roadblocks, but morally, I can't walk away from this. So I'm going to stay here and still, you're going to still have to deal with me. So one of my, my um, heroine, uh, Patricia Hill Collins, has written this in, 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 in her um, Black Feminist Epistemology, where she kind of identifies two different kinds of knowing. What's One, her name again? Uh, Patricia Hill Collins. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, she's she's one of the, the most brilliant uh, uh, black feminist epistemologists. So yeah, she kind of she distinguishes knowledge as having two forms. The first one is book learning, and that is what academia teaches you, or that's what you learn when you go to school. But the second one she calls wisdom. Mm-hmm. And that is something you get through lived experience. experience. Yes. And and she goes on and she goes on to say uh, book learning might suffice for the survival of the white man, but wisdom is essential for the survival of the black women. <laughs> that has been my whole thing with this pandemic and and or, or let's because you're in Ireland, so we're talking about that too. A black person in Ireland, a, a black immigrant in Ireland. But one of the things that I talk about is when um, when the in the U.S. the black community, particularly black women, decided that Biden was going to be the presidential nominee, and they took over. And and people kept saying, "Low information, black folks." Said, no, 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 baby. It is from their wisdom that they made this decision. Yes. It's been from lived experience that they knew he was the only candidate at that point because you got rid of all the people of color. Yes. They knew that he was the only candidate that was going to be able to succeed against what is already here in the United States. Yes. And that's unquantifiable. That is qualitative data. Exactly, exactly. That is what black folks sit around the table and talk about <laughs> that you cannot put a number or a metric or a rating on. <laughs> yep, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm just going to quote Patricia Hill Collins now. Yes. This is from her, The Social Construction of Black Feminist Thoughts. So she says, quote, knowledge without wisdom is adequate for the powerful, but wisdom is essential for the survivor for the survivor of the subordinate, end quote. Mm, and I just pulled that up as you were, uh, I was just pulling that up as you, uh, Patricia Patricia Hill Collins. Yes. Yes, the constru- uh, social constructor of Black feminists. I see, I love when I talk to brilliant people like you because I learn new people. Um, <laughs> I, I get so much smarter. <laughs> same, same here. I'm also learning. Yeah, I get so much smarter. Um, I really want to dig, first of all, I want to um, talk about what is it like being Black in Ireland? Because Ireland, Ireland swears to God that they have no racism. <laughs> Um, and, and I want to talk about your algorithmic colonization of Africa. You hit on something right there. That this is why missionary work is rooted in white supremacy. All of that stuff is rooted. You want to save those that you think are beneath you. And so now we've taken tech to, as a replacement for um, missionary work. And we're going out to save the savages. Yes. Yes. So if we could talk about what it's like being... Ethiopian in a white country that swears it has no race issues, and then, or you can talk about the the, the your paper first, either one. But just I, those are the things I really want to make sure we address. Yeah. This. So I'll 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 start with the you know being being black in in Ireland because I because I'm going to be very brief because <laughs> <laughs> because it's really it's really really difficult to even just bring up the, you know, to even say, to even, you know, drop the word racism, people will just like, oh my God. So it's, you know, it's really, anything you say, you get so much backlash. So I don't talk about, this is why I try to keep my head down Mm -hmm. and just, you know, do my work and, and, and survive because the, the, the exhaustion that follows from causing a scene is so much, so tasking, so emotionally big 
it's really difficult to, to come back from it. So you end up feeling you are better off just not having any discussion because the backlash, the, the, the follow-up is just, just most of the time more than I can handle. So I just... And, and because there's so few of you there, <laughs> it yeah. becomes, you become the burden. It be, you're the only... Tar- I mean, it's only so... I mean, there are not many Black... See, in the U.S., there's so many of us. It's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Yes, yes. That's yes, my thing. It's yes. like everybody wants to make racism a U.S. issue. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we can move uh, on because yeah. I don't want to cause any anybody who hears <laughs> this um, um, episode, I don't want to make you a target. So let's talk about your, the, 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 the I, we want to save Africa. <laughs> yeah. And hold on, but yeah, I'm, so hold on, before we go there, before we go there. I really want, because my audience is white. My audience is, I cater, my, my target audience is white. And I want to make this point before we move on, everybody. I want you to understand that this brilliant black woman in a white country cannot talk about the thing that impacts her life, that impacts her em, uh, embodied cognitive science, because white folks don't want to hear it. That's all I'm going to say, and we can move on. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah thank you for that um yeah we, we we'll move on to uh my article on uh algorithmic colonization of africa yeah i mean it's really i don't even know where to begin with um, my frustration uh with the whole mentality of you know First, the mentality that we are—we if we have enough data, if we have enough technology, uh, we can solve all problems. Sometimes people even make you believe that the only thing that the continent is lacking is data and technology. And mm. if you have those, everything will disappear. All problems will disappear mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to stop you there because I want to draw a parallel because in the United States... Um, right after World War One, there was this we need to save everybody. And that's why we got prohibition, which was a shit show. Um, and prohibition, for those who don't know, was when the country um, banned the sale, uh, importation, the um, and, um, and manufacturing of alcohol. That turned out to be the one of the worst things. It, they put it as a part of the Constitution and they had to repeat. That was the first and only um, amendment to the Constitution that it was repealed because it was a not only a failure, an abject failure, because you cannot um, um, legislate morals, but it was led to the rise of, um, 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 criminal enterprises because they were selling illegal liquor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Exactly. So when you think you have what you think, when you think that you have the one solution that's going to solve all the ills of the world, you're already on the wrong path. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, not only that, the thing that many people fail to question, even we Africans ourselves fail to see is the narrative that, you know, this whole uh, we're gonna have, you know, we're gonna come in, you know, save you, you know, this white saver mentality, but disguised in take now. And um, what's underneath that is the, you know, this insidious perpetuation of very tired, cliched image of the continent. Yes. You look at, you know, research. It's like here we have a machine learning system or we have we have collected data on hunger or starvation or diseases or you know and, whatever and your, and your biggest oh. white savior is um um uh microsoft what's his name um bill gates yes he's <laughs> the biggest white savior he's gonna save what? africa from itself he's gonna use his billions and he gets so much credit from malaria and other as if africa cannot save their own problems i mean solve their yes. own problems if white folks will stop dipping in <laughs> yeah and 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 the 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 really the the insidious problem is how the fact that through this narrative of we are you know getting rid of malaria or whatever disease you know folks like bill gates are really perpetuating a negative image yes. of africa where people 
see us as, you know, uh, as driven by, you know, uh, ridden with hunger or, or diseases or drought, wh whereas the, you know, the, the positive things, you know, the philosophy, for example, I love philosophy. The first conception, anything that can be called philosophy. Pray for me, Ethiopia. In, in, in Ethiopia. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what gets yeah, me. And the only image I knew of Ethiopia growing up was these big belly bait with these big belly yeah. trees with flies all over their faces. That's the only image I knew of Ethiopia until I became an adult and started doing my own research and realized yeah. Ethiopia is the seat of culture, is the seat yeah. of society. All of the first universities, the first church. All of it is in Ethiopia. <laughs> yeah, and and so much of so much of what the continent has contributed throughout history and continues to contribute. You know, I was going to say, let's not even talk about history. If you, um, Africa is kicking ass with this doggone um, coronavirus, <laughs> if white folks refuse to listen to what how how. Um, Africa doesn't have the numbers that the U.S. has when it comes to um, the coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what you hear is like people going writing, you know, especially Westerners writing. Why isn't Africa suffering? Why isn't yes, some, why yes, there so much? Yes. It's like they're surprised almost. It's like, like not even that they're surprised. There is the fact of we're suffering. They dead. Why the fuck aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> so it's not even surprised that you're not. It is the fact that you should be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is very. It is is very, and that's what I say. Anti-blackness is the most is the most successful global export of white supremacy. It is everywhere. Anti-blackness is everywhere. And then we want to, and then the, um, the Westerners want to bring their religious or their moral values to people who culturally understand community. Whiteness does not understand community. It's all about the individual. How does Africa solve the coronavirus? Because it's a community. They know they have to work together to do this. This ideology of people going to the capitals with guns because they don't want to wear a fucking mask. That's why we're in the situation we're in. Yep, unfortunately, unfortunately, exactly. I had these ideas before, but what really brought it home, I watched a movie called Poverty Inc. And it talks about, it talks about the um, NGOs and mm -hmm. how they've destabilized. Because one, the, one of the things they talk about, Kenya had the most luscious, most very diverse cotton in the world they they had the varieties of cotton but when ngos came in and started giving people free shit <laughs> it decimated kenya's cotton producing ability so then you have a country that now needs loans to take yes. care of itself and then there's interest on that and now everything they get now um, kenya has to import cotton and then you want to say there's something wrong with them Yes, 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 yeah. And, 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 you know, whiteness has so much to answer. And just because, uh, you know, Europeans left Africa doesn't mean colonization stopped. Yes. So many nations still have to pay a colonial taxation fee. I, I don't know the exact terminology where they have to pay you know, government. Back, people are paying back France. Yes. People are paying back all these countries. Yes. So pe people talk about, you know, how, how you know, white folk like or the likes of Bill Gates are through their, their entrepreneurship or through their uh, philanthropy are helping Africans. But I mean, if you really want to make a change, think about the structure, change the structure, dump, get rid of all these colonial era taxations where African governments are still paying. I'm now ready to articulate and to publicly share my need to shift from causing the scene. Currently this work, this push for equity, for minimizing harm and for prioritizing the most vulnerable is collectively viewed by many as noise, bullying, troublemaking, as contrarian for controversy's sake, rather than what it is, a necessary evolution for the overall health and well-being of those who work for us, partner with us, buy from us, invest in us, 
and society as a whole. My focus from this day forward is to forge a path to welcoming and psychological safety in systems, institutions, and policies at scale because I will no longer put new wine into old wineskins. My team and I will be spending the next few months making the necessary changes to ensure that my new commitment to doing the proactive work of leading a movement framed by the guiding principles and seen through an anti-racist lens strategically happens with a relaunch on Juneteenth. To be kept informed of our progress, please follow me on Twitter at K-I-M-C-R-A-Y-T-O-N-1, Kim Creighton 1, and on our new Kim Creighton's Community Cafe Discord server. When I started Hashtag Cause a Scene in 2019, it was out of my frustration that no one was listening. Now that you're listening, it's time to get to work. Thank you for the years of support, and I'll meet you on the other side. Have a wonderful day. Taxations where African governments are still paying to what he could do is pay the damn debt. Just pay the damn debt. <laughs> yes, yes. Just pay it. Yes. You have it. <laughs> pay the debt. You he has more than some of these countries have in debt. Pay this debt so they are free, just like student loans. So you're free not to have to think about that anymore. And then you can put that energy into your own. So it's whiteness is all of as I said, this there is nothing original about whiteness except for theft yeah. and appropriation. That's all it knows how to do is steal, <laughs> appropriate, and then blame. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about about these folks that 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 call themselves philanthropists. They, I mean, if if they if they stop what they are doing, then you know they would not be the center of attention, and yes. they would not they would also stop benefiting from it. As it is, you know, the only benefit that you know the only body that's gaining is them themselves and it's just like it's a perpetual state where they have to keep going and you know where they 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 give the illusion of they are making change by making people dependent on them but also in the process gaining you know you know profits for themselves but also making themselves the saviors and 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 the you know the centers of attention. It's, it's centering uh, whiteness, as in this white, yeah. you know, whiteness is the you know just like there's a white Jesus. You know what? As I said, Ethiopia had the first church and there was no white man in it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, tell me um, if you're. I really want to know about Ethiopia. I've always wanted to go. My mom did a DNA test years ago. And I'll go into an Ethiopia restaurant right now. People will call me. You're, are you family? I'm like, because we do have, we have some Ethiopian and I, I didn't even know it. And I've always, ah. yes, yes. I've always wanted okay. to go and mm. see because the shape of my head. People are like, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You, so you do look. You do look, you do have a, 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 an Ethiopian look. Yep. Yeah. If I take off my glasses. <laughs> oh yeah, even more. <laughs> little bitty nose with the round, little round head. Yes. yes. And I have the same curls you have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. I've never done this, and, but I want you to tell me if, if I ever, when not if, when I go to Ethiopia, what, what would I see as a person who's from there but did not know they were from there because you know uh, we were you know we were kidnapped we were t- <laughs> what would I what would I what would the experience be like what would you tell me um you know I I talked a little bit about you know uh, embodied coxi at the beginning and in in the article it's not uh, just embodied coxi that advocates for you know embracing ambiguity. Uh, or embracing codependence and interrelations. Uh, it's also I, I also go into um, uh, you know an Af- African philosophy, almost a way of life called Ubuntu, mostly Southern African uh, philosophy. Uh, and so, at the core of Ubuntu is a person is a person through other persons. So you become who you are 
through your relation, through your interactions with others, with your community. So Ethiopia is very much, you know, a lot of the culture is really grounded in that communal caring living. So take eating, for example. So it's eating is a very communal thing where... Yes where you would you, you go to Ethiopian restaurants, right? So you you would have a big yes. plate and I'm you so always food. <laughs> yes. yeah. And I mean it's I mean even people don't eat by themselves. I mean and even if you are in a restaurant, it's custom, it's it's you know tradition to ask even if they you know it's a stranger, you ask them to join you to to eat with you. Mm. So Oh, that speaks to my soul. That speaks to my soul. That's community. And and it's, you see such a spark, a a huge, you know, a a really uh, um, clear difference between the U.S. tradition uh, and and Ethiopia, for example. So things like even raising children is, in the U.S., also in the Western world, is considered as like your responsibility. People put so much emphasis on privacy, but whereas, you know, where I grew up, you know, raising children, making sure they are going to school is everybody's responsibility. Yep, yep. So if you see a kid skipping school, whether you know them or not, you will feel obliged to kind of make That's sure. That's how it was in black communities. In Yes. Um, yes. 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 Uh, right. yes. Particularly um, 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 in the in the seventies and in the eighties and uh, and before, where it was a community thing. Um, yes, it was. Um, you, people would say you get a whipping from Miss Le- Miss Auntie down the street, and she go take you to your mama. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah, yeah. So it's so it's people live with that spirit very much. With you know, we we you know, you you always. The older you are, the more you are, the moral compass of the community. So you don't live for yourself. You make sure, you know, everybody, uh, you know, you make sure everybody's looked after. You make sure that the youngsters are, you know, going in the right direction. Uh, and so that's the that's the whole it takes a village. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when someone graduates the whole village, literally. So when I graduated, my first degree was uh, back home in Ethiopia. It's something that the whole village celebrates. It's like mm. everybody's proud of. It's like as if everybody has contributed. And yes, no, and they have. have, and they have. They have. <laughs> and they yeah. have, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I constantly think, I mean, it's, it's you know, it, it's my, my folks, my community back home, but also here, that really is central to for me that enables me to do what I do to to you know to achieve what I have achieved yes. it really is it yes. really comes down to to my community to my circle of supports and I'm grateful for that I'm about to cry that feels I mean just to hear <laughs> about that because that speaks to the black experience in the US yes. and that is why we whiteness has not destroyed us but that's what they keep trying to. They keep trying to, they don't understand that the reason we aren't gone anywhere is you can take, in slavery, you can take the, the woman's husband. You can take her. You can sail him off. When he go, wherever he's going, they're going to welcome him there. And then her community is going to embrace her and her kids. You can sell her community off. I mean, her children off. But on that plantation, they were going to make sure that woman outside of Massa's vision was taken care of. That's some powerful. That, oh, my God. Yes. That's, that's like I'm chills because that's some powerful shit. Yes, yes, yes. No words. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, wow. That, that's some. Yeah. Ooh, I'm just, it's funny that it's, so I looked up Ubuntu and this is tells you what, um, what's interesting is the first thing is about Linux. It's not about the, fu- when, when, oh, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I have to find a Ubuntu philosophy for me to, yeah, exactly. So even tech has taken over that community thing. Yeah. That is not good. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's definitely, I wasn't definitely talking about the operating system. It's, yeah. 
Uh, exactly. Um, and what's so funny is, and this is, so my assistant scheduled this. I didn't even know who, I didn't remember who you were until I looked at the tweet that you, cause I have it in the notes, but I didn't know you were Ethiopian. And, and I can tell you last night I had, I told, I was thinking, I need to find somebody from Ethiopia who teach me how to make spicy red lentils. <laughs> Yes, it's the best. It's the best. Oh, yes. it is amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I hardly cook because it takes a lot to cook Ethiopian food is a lot of, yeah. you know, it takes a, lo- a long time. But again, I have such an amazing community here. The Ethiopian community is so, you know, tightly knit. I, I was just reflecting the other day. I only have to drop, like we have a phone call regularly. I only have to just say how I miss something. And the next day it appears on my door. That is like, <laughs> that, that is, yeah. I I mean, I just, I mean, I, I, I cannot I, I, imagine myself existing without the community that I have. And I'm, I'm now in tears because that <laughs> is, um, that is how black people have always survived. Yeah. When somebody couldn't pay the rents, it's people came together, cooked meals, did whatever they could because yes. we are about community. We could not survive without each other. We're, we yes. survive whiteness because we are a community. Yes, 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 yes. Oh yes, my God. What yes. would you like to say in your final? This has been amazing. Yes. What would you like to say in your final moments on the show? I, I have enjoyed this so much. Um, we yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. <laughs> we definitely have uh, to stay in touch. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, and I, I have just dropped a link to, to my article. Yeah, uh, I just pulled it. I just got it. Thank you. And I'll put it in the, um, in the, um, yeah. in the, um, make sure it's added to your article. Um, I mean, to your episode. Oh, I am sitting here in tears, but they're not tears of sadness. There are tears because on this day, I feel so connected to you and my heart is wide (laughs) open. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I I also feel very touched and and I have no words. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Cause the Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Cause the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Cause the Scene community. Just visit the website at HashtagCauseTheScene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Cause the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.